This is a ghost story from the island of Sandy, and it's called The Stolen Winding Sheet. Now, there was an old woman called Baba Skithawa, and she was a very particular old lady. She liked to have everything nice. And she became ill, and soon she knew that her days were coming to an end, and so she called on a neighbour to come by. Now this neighbour lived at the little croft at bay in Sandy, and she was called Black Chalk. Now her father had been called Black Chalk, and she was such a rough, coarse, quite horrible woman, really, that everybody just called her Black Chalk, although her name was really Chenny. Well, Black Chalk made a living as a howdy wife, so she delivered babies, but she also washed bodies and dressed them in their shrouds and put them in the coffins, made sure that you went decently out of the world. And so Baba called her to come Now, she said, you know that I like everything to be done right. Mm Hmm, said Black Chalk. Well, I have a winding sheet, she said. Now, a winding sheet, I should explain, is a shroud, a dress to put on a dead body. I have a winding sheet, she said. I bought the material from a stall at the Lammas Fair in Kirkwall, many years ago, and I sewed myself this lovely winding sheet. It's in the bottom drawer there. Go and look. I want you to know where everything is, for when the time comes. Now, take it out, and maybe I should try it on to see if it fits. But Black Chalk took it out, and she looked at it, and it was lovely. What a lovely piece of material. Black Chalk couldn't stop feeling it. No, no, there's no need for you to try it on, said Black Chalk. I can see perfectly fine with my own eyes that it's a good fit. Well, you know where to find it, she says, when the time comes. Now, a couple of days later, poor old Baba Skithawa died. And Black Chalk went up to the house. And she washed the body, and then she went and got the winding sheet, and she took it out, and she couldn't help but to spend a bit of time feeding the cloth again, and looking at it and saying, oh, what a beautiful piece of cloth. She put it on Baba's body, and then Baba was put into a coffin, and there was a leak whack was held. Now, a leekwak was when folks sat with a body, because you never let a body out of your sight, in case evil spirits got it. So you would always keep a Bible open in the room, and a candle burning all night. And somebody would sit with the body, sometimes more than one, sometimes a crowd of people would come and make a bit of a party of it and drink and play music and such like. But Baba Skithera, Harley Kwak, was held with several people, but 
Black Chalk sat for three nights with her, and always fingering that sheet. Now then, the day of the funeral came, and again they were people were drinking and talking away. Baba Skidwa drank like a beast, and always she was fingering this cloth and muttering to herself. She said to Baba Croy, You know, it's a real pity that such a beautiful piece of material as that should be buried. What a waste. Well, Baba was carried down to the kirkyard at Cross, just next to where Baba lived, and she was buried there. Now, folk used to say that Black Chalk was in league with the devil, and you know, maybe he, maybe she was, because what she did that night was not the sort of thing that anyone would do, any normal person would do. Because in the dead of night, when it was pitch dark, she took a spade, she went up to the graveyard, and she dug up Baba Skithawa's grave, and she broke open the lid of the coffin, and she stole the winding sheet off of Baba's dead body. She replaced her in the coffin naked, put the lid back down, filled it in again, and she went home clutching her prize, and she hid it in the bottom of a kist, a big wooden chest. She hid it in the bottom of that, and then went to her bed. Now, a day or two later, the laird's wife at Elsness had sent a servant, a man called Andrew Moody, to see Lady Fay at, uh, down at Stove. And she had to go down there to, to borrow some barm. Now, barm is working yeast for making home-brewed ale with. If you get this yeast that's still working, you can use that again and again. So, Andrew was sent to get the barm for brewing, <clears throat> and as he was going, coming back home, it was getting late, and the sky was darkening. But the sky was darkening, in an unusual way. It wasn't just night was falling. The whole sky was turning as black as ink. A storm was coming up. A really bad storm. And after a wee while the sky was black. And the thunder started. It roared overhead. And the lightning flashed. Sometimes the forks of lightning struck the land. And sometimes they struck the sea. And Andrew thought that this was the worst storm that he had ever seen in all his born days. Now, by this time it was pitch black, and the lightning was flashing, and the thunder was roaring, and he realized, to his horror, that he had to pass the graveyard at Crosskirk. Well... That was a place that he wouldn't have liked going past in daytime, but at night. And also it seemed to him 
that the sky was darkest over the kirkyard. Now, he carried on going, trying to be brave, looking at his feet, not looking at the kirkyard. But when he got there, he saw a sight that made his blood run cold. The hair on his head stood on end with fright, because there, out of every grave in the kirkyard, there soared a tall pillar of light. They were as tall as a ship's mast, and on top of them there were ghosts, the ghosts of the people who were in the grave. Sometimes there was one, sometimes two, three, four even. And these pillars of light glowed, and they swayed slightly as well, and they were all colours. They were blues and yellows and reds, and they swayed, and the spirits were all talking among themselves, but he couldn't make out a word of it, because the dead have their own tongue. But to him it was like a strange sigh. It made his heart stop. And some of them seemed to be talking to the others. And some of them were pointing. And some of them were laughing and ridiculing. Because they always say that when a ghost comes back to earth, it brings their old ways with them. Now, he noticed then what these ghosts were pointing at. There was one ghost on top of the pillar of light, and she was standing there naked as the day she was born. And some were scolding her, and some were laughing at her, and some were sympathizing with her. Well, he recognized the ghost as being that of old Baba Skidawa. And old Baba was looking backwards and forwards at all the other ghosts, with all their dead clothes fluttering in the breeze behind them. And she seemed quite distressed and sad and ashamed. Well, Andrew stared at her in horror, and she turned her head, she knew that he was there and she was going to look at him, and Andrew knew that it was a very bad thing to allow the, a ghost to look you in the eyes. If you look a ghost in the eyes, you will lose your wits. Your senses will go. You'll lose your mind. So he turned around on his heel and he ran. He ran as fast as he could away from there. And where he ran was the nearest house, and the nearest house was Bay, Black Chalk's house. Well, he went there and he discovered that the door was barred, an unusual thing in those days in Orney, and he battered with his fists on the door and he cried to be let in. Please, he said, please, please let me in, let me in. Oh, 
if ever you hope to have mercy yourself, take have mercy on me and let me in. I have seen things this night that I'll never be the better of, he said, banging with his fists on the door. Oh, in God's name, let me in. Oh, I've seen things that I'll never be right of all my life. I might not speak about life because death's at my heels. Let me in, for God's sake. Well, the door opened, and there was Black Chalk. Get in, you fool, she said. And he ran through the door, and she slammed it and bolted it again. What the devil are you out for on a night like this, she said to him. And when she said the word devil, there was a sudden roar of thunder overhead that was so loud it almost deafened them, and it shook the walls, and the very ground, the floor they stood on shook. And there was a flash of lightning so bright that it blinded Andrew. When his eyes became accustomed, he could see that there was a fire burning in the middle of the room, and black chalk had been preparing things. Now, all the holes in the house had been blocked up. There was three awls sticking in the back of the door. Steel, you see, is a strong charm against magic, against evil, against the fairy folk, and against the dead. Now, she had a window, just a small one. There was no glass in it, and it was stuffed up tight, and so was the smoke hole as well above a fire, that was all filled in as well and stuffed in, and she had a little hole above the door in the flagstone of the roof, and it was the cat hole, it was like an ancient cat flap, it's where the cat came in and out, and that was also stuffed up as well with material, and the poor old cat was lying quivering with fear in the corner of the room. Uh, y you wouldn't believe, he said, and she said, shut up, hold your tongue, go and sit in the corner. Poor Andrew was wanting to tell her about all the horrible things he'd seen. But it seemed that Baba already knew. And she sat down on the floor, muttering incantations, and she held a long steel needle in her hand, and she drew a circle around herself with the steel, and then sat down inside the circle. And she sat there holding the needle, and muttering away, muttering her spells. Now then, Andrew heard it, a noise, like a thousand scalding voices on the wind, all coming, flying down through the air. They went around the house, it sounded almost like the wings of geese beating past the house, like wings fluttering and voices chattering and calling. Some sounded angry and some sounded arrogant, demanding, some sounded fearful, some sounded sorry, but they all sounded terrible in the ears of poor old Andrew, who sat quivering on the floor, trying to hide his head underneath the window. Well, they, the material started to be pulled <clears throat> from the window. 
and Andrew saw the face of Baba Skidwar at the window, wailing and shrieking loudly as she looked inside. And another ghost, as well, managed to tear out all the blocking from the cat hole, and it put its hand inside, but Baba, um, but Black Chalk had put a hook in there, a sickle for cutting crop with, that was stuck above the cat hole. So when the ghost put its hand in and touched the steel, it screamed with pain and drew back. And there was a great consternation went from the other ghosts as well. They all screamed too, and they, it seemed as though they were going to see what the matter was. And then they became angry. Oh, my God, were they angry. And they started to go round and round the house, shrieking and screaming and bellowing, round and around and around the house and over the top of the house, and even underneath the house the ghosts went. Well, Baba Skidwa appeared back at the window again, and she raked in her long neck, and her head looked from side to side, and she wailed, Where's me sheet? Give me back me sheet. I want my winding sheet. Cold! Cold it is lying in the ground, mother naked. Give me back my sheet. She managed to get her two long, thin arms raked through the window, and her hands flailed in all directions, and she shrieked out of her. And it was so loud, it terrified Andrew. He was cowering on the floor, hands over his head. Well, the long arms were raking inside, searching for what was stolen from her, and her hand touched the top of Andrew Moody's head, the thumb and fingers. And as soon as that happened, he fell unconscious on the floor, and his leg shot out from under him, and it kicked black chalk on the elbow, and it knocked that needle out of her hand. Well, Chalk knew the danger she was in. Now she lacked steel. If the ghosts got in, they would tear her to shreds. So she got up, ran over, cleared everything off the top of that kist, opened it up, dug down deep into it, and took out the winding sheet. And she said, Here you go, take it back, and may the devil take you, she said. Well, the winding sheet chomped from her hand like it was alive, and it shot up through the smoke hole in a blue flame. Well, at that very moment, there was a whack. Something hit black chalk on the back and sent her sprawling face down on the ground. Well, with that, the cock crowed, and she was saved, because... When the ghosts heard the cock crowing, they all fled back to their graves as fast as they could fly. Now the next day, when Andrew came to, he discovered that Black Chalk was lying on the floor. Everything was in a terrible mess, and outside the place looked like it had been through the middle of the eye of a hurricane. And the 
cows that they had in the byre were lying dead as well. Now, Andrew tried to lift Black Chalk, but she couldn't get her up. He tried again, but she was stuck solid on the ground. He called the neighbours, and they all came around. Five men and three women pulled and pulled away at Black Chalk, but nobody could get her lifted from the, from the ground. She was ghost-struck, and nobody could shift her. This was beyond the power of just physical strength. This was a dark magic. Now, they knew they couldn't ask the minister to come and help, because how could they explain this to the minister? No, they called on an old man, old Mansi Pace. Now, he was a man that knew a thing or two. He examined the situation, and he declared that they had to make forespoken water. He went away and he came back with seven blue stones and he boiled them in a pot, muttering incantations over them as they simmered. And then after a while, when the water had cooled, they poured it over Black Chalk's back and she was able to get up then. Now, whether she was wiser from this event, who can say? She was an obstinate sort of a person. But the one thing that I do know for certain is that she never interfered with the dead again or tried to steal from them.